everybody pastor paul here on a wednesday morning it's august we'll say yep august 24th cannot believe that the summer thankfully is going to be receding behind us before we know it as we head into the fall season but as we've been kicking things off here at four oaks for the fall we're also restarting romans rewind that's what we're doing right here we take 10 or 15 minutes every weekday morning monday through friday to unpack a portion of god's word and we run concurrently with our sermon series which for this season is the book of romans we're in romans chapter 11 and so if you have your bible and i know you do open it to romans 11 paul is addressing the burning question on everyone's mind is god done with the jews and we've seen that Paul, first of all, has an autobiographical argument that he appeals to, meaning if God's done with the Jews, then what about me? I, I'm a Jew and God's transformed my life. Well, let, let's follow the argument a little more and go down the rabbit hole, not the rabbit hole, but, but trace things back a bit um, and try to understand what gave Paul such assurance, such confidence that in fact God had not has not rejected his people. So let's look at Romans chapter 11. I'm going to start with verse 1. I asked then, has God rejected his people? By no means. For I myself am an Israelite, a descendant of Abraham, a member of the tribe of Benjamin. God has not rejected his people whom he foreknew. And I want us to camp out right there on verse two. Now, one of the things that Paul has appealed to, and we've talked a whole lot about in this series in Romans, particularly in Romans 9 through 11, is just the absolute rock solid certainty we have for the future because of God's sovereignty that nothing escapes God's attention, nothing catches God by surprise. God ordains all things, that God is sovereignly working out his purposes, that, that ultimately we are not in control of the world and the universe, God is in control. And we've seen that this is really the backdrop, it's the, it's the cornerstone of all of our theological endeavors, right? that we can trust God, that we can count on God, that even when things are not going the way we would like them to go or the way we think they should, God nonetheless is still at the helm. Now, that's all totally right and true. One of the things, though, that can happen when we talk about God's sovereignty so much is that it can become sort of a, an abstract principle for us, kind of like gravity. It's always there. We just kind of take it for granted. Um, it can become mechanical. It can become formulaic. But what Paul reminds us here in Romans 11 is that God's sovereignty is anything but that. It is, at its core, relational and personal. And so I want to go back to what we find here in Romans chapter 11. Paul says, God has not rejected his people. And here he doesn't say, merely say that, that because God is sovereign. 
okay, that, that God's going to carry out his will. God's going to carry out his purpose. He uses a much more personal word, and it's the word for new. God has not rejected his people whom he for new. And a lot of times we think foreknowledge, we think about this in human terms, that um, foreknowledge means we have an idea of the way something might turn out if we do X, Y, and Z. So, so we might be talking to our kids about budgeting, and we might forecast for them that if they continue to spend at their current rate and they're not replenishing their bank accounts at the rate that they're spending, they're going to run out of money, right? And lo and behold, um, we get to the end of the semester and that's happened, right? All hypothetical, of course. And we might say we had the foreknowledge to know what was going to happen. In other words, we had a pretty accurate idea. Well, that's, that's not the way the Bible talks about foreknowledge. Foreknowledge is a deeply personal, relational term. It means to know intimately beforehand. So in Genesis 1 through 2, when it talks about Adam knowing his wife Eve, right? It's talking about an intimate um, expression of their love and sexuality that's holistic. It's not merely physical. There is a knowledge there. There is a knowing. There is an intimacy in the oneness relationship of marriage. And it, it derives back, or this word derives back to that idea that what Paul is saying here is that God didn't simply know what was going to happen. Or God does, wasn't just simply um, behind the curtain, orchestrating, decreeing, pulling levers to determine what was going to happen. No, no. In fact, God's very heart was vested and unified with his people, those whom he has chosen, his elect, before the foundations of the world. Now, this word, let's... We've seen it before in Romans chapter 8. So, so dial back there for a second. And let's go to Romans 8.28. This is one of the most famous passages in all the Bible. And let's look again at what Paul bases his rock-solid assurance in, that God is going to work all things after the good of those whom he loves. So Romans 8.28. And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good for those who are called according to his purpose. For those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son, in order that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. In those whom he predestined, he also called. In those whom he called, he also justified. In those whom he justified, he also glorified. Remember, this is what Scholars, theologians, the church has called the golden chain of salvation. Whatever God has begun, God will complete. You can't separate um, the process. Those God has predestined, he is faithful to call, he is faithful to justify, he's faithful to bring them to the end in glory. But what's interesting when we think about what was the impulse in God's heart that even came before predestination? Okay, 
So again, predestination to determine beforehand, we think about that in sort of judicial, mechanical terms. But it says here, let's look back at verse 29, for those whom he foreknew, he also predestined. So here is this idea that before the foundation of the world, that God intimately knows who his people are. He, he's placed his everlasting, eternal, loving kindness upon them. He, has, he is orchestrating a plan to bring them home to himself. That's the nature of the word foreknowledge. So when Paul is appealing, and going back to Romans 11 here, when Paul is appealing in Romans 11 to the fact that his assurance of what God is going to do with his people, um, the remnant, then he ethnic Jews who are going to come to faith in Christ, Paul is confident that God is going to carry out his purposes there because God has had an eternal, everlasting, covenantal love with those people before they ever knew him, before they ever um, came to faith in him, before they ever knew they even needed God. So when we think about it in that, those terms, God's sovereignty, does it not? It becomes very personal. And when Jesus comes to the earth and he comes to save God's people, he comes to save God's elect, he's not dying on the cross for a massless face of humanity, right? He's dying for his people. He has you in mind. You are, in fact, Paul tells us in Ephesians 1, united with Jesus. He also says this in Romans 6. He, you're united with Jesus on the cross right? Which means that the foreknowledge of, that God had that to intimately draw you into relationship to himself, he decrees, he orchestrates, he calls, and he carries forth to completion. So now why are we saying all this? What is the relevance for our life? The relevance for our life is to, is to encourage us to think about not only salvation, but God's providential sovereign hand in deeply personal terms. It's, it's, it's not merely personal, it's for his glory, it's for his honor, um, but it's not less than personal, right? That's what the word foreknowledge means. And so as you are thinking today about who you are in Christ, as you are um, thinking about what your future holds and what's going to happen from this day to the next, and is God going to be faithful to his word? Is he going to accomplish his purposes? You can go back to this idea of, well, of course he is because he foreknew me. He knew me intimately before I even knew him. It's almost, again, all analogies are imperfect, but, but when, if our children, right, ever doubt um, our love and affection and goodness towards them, right, we just have to go back and remember, wow, before they even knew us, we knew them, right? Even when they were in the womb, um, we were developing this intimate knowledge of this baby that was going to be born. Well, with God's love, foreordaining love, foreknowledge, exponentially surpasses that, and it's perfect. See, human love, even parental love, is imperfect, but God's love is perfect. And so this is why Paul can say, Nope, he is not done with his Jewish people. 
because God foreknew his people uh, before the foundation of the world. So be encouraged with that church and meditate on it as we go out from this place today. All right, I'm going to pray and then we'll be back tomorrow morning again, bright and early Thursday. Hope to see you then. Lord, give us just um, an overwhelming sense of your intimate relational communing love this morning that you foreknew us that you knew us in an intimate way you pursued us you created us you called us you predestined us to be yours and because of that we can have full confidence and assurance that you are doing what is best for us and for your glory and lord we ask these things in your son's name jesus christ amen thanks everybody see you tomorrow